black GI? Is it fair to serve more than the white Americans that sent you here? Nothing is more confused than to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's going on. I dedicate this next record to the Soul Brothers of the 1st Infantry Divisions. Be safe. Hello and welcome to Our Slice on Film, a movie podcast talking about movies, new and old, what's going on in the movie industry, and also having a little fun with some pizza thrown into the mix. Uh, my name is Brian Deal. I'm one of your hosts, and as always, I am joined by... Michael Clinton. Hey, everyone. And this week, we are talking about Spike Lee's new joint, The Five Bloods. A Vietnam War movie going back and forth between Vietnam and modern day and these four African-American vets going back to Vietnam to not only get the remains of their fallen captain, but also find some gold that they buried um, when they were there serving in war. So, Yeah, it's a little, it's a little pirate. It's a little war vets. It's a little family drama well a little very little family drama compared to the rest of the overall stuff but yeah i it was quite a fun you know movie i I thought it was i love spike lee so i was super pumped when i heard that this was coming out on netflix um let's talk a little bit about that what is your relationship to spike lee said you like spike lee what movies have you seen from him he has a pretty expansive um array of movies what do you have a particular favorite going into this or what's 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 the deal with him with regards to you? You know, I, he, he's just got his own style. I think any movie he makes, it, you can't say he's, he's taken major influence from other people. People take influence from Spike Lee. He is super influential. He's a hot topic, really, every time a movie comes out. He never just, like, drops just this, this random movie that is so-so. His movies are stacked. They are packed to the brim with just information and storylines and knowledge and education i think most of his movies their intention is to educate educate primarily and also just share stories that we might not hear um my favorite of course is school days love love spike lee do the right things great um but school days that's probably up there for me that's probably the top one um also black Klansman was just awesome um and that i i also respect him because He's never won an Oscar. Do the Right Thing came out in 1989. He's done all these amazing movies. And the only Oscar he won was for Black Klansman, his, not, his now second most recent movie. Um, they gave him an honorary award, though. So they're like, hey, Spike, we know how influential you are. Um, and he just took it with patience. Yeah, he didn't win Oscars. He didn't get all the not- notoriety that he needed. But he took patience, and he still kept going with what he was doing. And... I just, I'm fanboying. I really, I loved it. And again, his style, his cinematography, just the way he sets up his shots, kind of the fun, quirky, um, Spike Lee kind of things in there. I, it's just, man, I don't know. I'm going to stop. What, what do you feel about Spike Lee? What did you know before we went in here? <laughs> um, not nearly as much as you. So before Black Klansman, I've never, I never seen a Black, uh, a Spike Lee movie. Um, so I saw Black Klansman in theater. I'm like, oh, this movie looks really good. Um, has a good cast and loved the movie. Mm-hmm. And then so going into this to five bloods, I'm like, I can't have the black black clans and being the only spike movie I've seen going into seeing this movie. Um, so the five bloods came out this weekend on Friday, um, Friday night, I decided to watch inside man, <laughs> um, a heist Spike Lee movie with Denzel Washington, Clive Owen, Jodie Foster, and many, mm-hmm. many more. And that was a lot of fun. I love a good heist movie. I heard good things about that and thoroughly enjoyed that movie. It's on Netflix. And then I watched a five bloods immediately the very next morning. First thing when I woke up, wow, yeah. very different movie, very jarring, very heavy, but you could also tell that it was a Spike Lee movie. And yeah. that's what I've enjoyed with him with the three movies that I've seen. And I definitely plan on seeing a lot more now. You can tell it's a Spike Lee movie. Even what you said, Michael, even though I'm not nearly as familiar with him, He's like this cultural icon. You just uh-huh. there, it is a big deal when he releases a movie, 
And there are certain shots in the film that if you, for whatever reason, forget it's a Spike Lee movie, you watch it and you're like, oh, that's a Spike Lee shot. This, yeah. is, this must be a Spike Lee movie. And you're right. He does educate people. And he like, especially with Black Klansman and, and Defy Bloods, again, really the only two movies that I know of the three that I mentioned, he does take intentional points of those movies to like kind of stop the narrative point and like educate you as an audience. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and I feel like he's really talking to the white audience. He's like, hey, yeah. I'm going to beat you on the head because this, this is what I'm trying to tell you. And we'll talk about that a little later in, mm-hmm. in this movie. But it works for me. I thoroughly enjoy it. He's able to make these really entertaining stories and make them educational, powerful, and heavy at the same time. And yeah. it's, I don't think a lot of people can do that. And I, I've only, again, seen three of his movies. He's three for three in my book that I've seen. And I'm mm-hmm. happy to have a director and an artist like Spike Lee in my life right now. Yeah. For the most part, he stays true to reality. His movies are relatively grounded. Um, you know, the characters are, of course, you know, movie characters. So they act in different ways and stuff. But he's not making anything up for the sake of the movie. You know, if he's taking any creative liberties, um, you know, Black Klansman was an adapted screenplay. So if he did take any liberties from that, like it worked out perfectly. But even in Five Bloods, he, like you said, he makes it a point to stop the narrative and tell the audience. And I don't know if it's just for the white audience. I think maybe even a younger, you know, black audience as well. Like sure. the education where we stop this crazy plot line, open up a window and be like, hey, by the way, I'm not making this shit up. Like this yeah. is grounded. This is history. Here's- this is the truth. Here's a here's a a speech from Martin Luther King. Here's a speech from Malcolm X. Here's a speech from Muhammad Ali. You know, whatever. Like literally, he will show you footage to be like, "Hey, these are this is what I'm talking about right now." Are you paying attention? And I like that. Yeah. That's cool. I like, kind of like that. Yeah. Um, so I w- I was reading before this this movie started just as a general um, war movie about four white Vietnam vets going back, mm-hmm. um, and no one like, they couldn't get it made. They couldn't kind of figure out what to do with it. Um, and then they took Spike Lee on board and they rewrote it to be about this, this African-American soldier experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then no studio would take this movie. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Yeah, right? Because, I mean, Netflix just, I mean, one, it's number one streaming on Netflix right now. Netflix looks so smart. Yeah. In this. Like, how, how, how are you a major movie studio and you have Spike Lee coming to you? You're like, hey, I want to make this high budget movie about four African-American vets in Vietnam. But again, I'm Spike Lee. They're like, no, we're, we're not going to fund you for that. No, mm-hmm. no. And then everyone said no to Netflix. Netflix was the last case scenario to make this happen. Yeah. Which, which I think works for them, you know, cause the Oscars, the Academy Awards also lifted their streaming ban. So mm-hmm. they will be taking movies that premiere premium video on demand. Um, or streaming into account for the Oscars. So it's a it's a good move. You know, if they continue to have stuff kind of locked down at Netflix, that argument's going to change in my eyes about how we experience theater. Yeah. Go, going, going back to studios passing up on this story and really passing up on Spike Lee, do you think that's a racial thing? Like, do you think if this was Martin Scorsese or Steven, let's say it was a Steven Spielberg, like Saving Private Ryan in 2020, right? Like, no, no one says no to that, right? Like, like do you? Do I'm, you, like, sure, you know? I'm sure, I'm sure. But at the same time, I don't care what, I mean, obviously I care, but I don't care what color he is. It's Spike Lee. I know. He's hella talented. He's coming to you and saying, I want to make this movie. So like, if of course, like, I think there's got to be something in there. But also like, Vietnam War, heavily issued, right? There's Mm -hmm. brought so many issues back for so many people, as we see in the movie. Um, And late, a lot of issues remained in Vietnam, as we see in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just, it is a, it's a period piece, but of course it is present tense. You know, we'll talk about the the end of the movie in a minute, um, but it really does like, it's, it's a movie set in 2020, you know, minus coronavirus. Um, this this movie happens. So I think if anybody passed up, I don't know. It's hard to say because when was this in production? What was going on in the world? Like now, if, I'm sure if he's offering it to people, everyone would want to jump on it. Well, yeah, but I, I think, I think well, he did Black Klansman, right? And mm-hmm. this had some political themes into it. And, and it, this made me feel like this was definitely filmed in probably like 2017, 2018. You know, like, again, fresh off of Black Klansman, 
I just don't understand how people say no, say no to Spike Lee. I don't understand how they say no to a movie like this. And it kind of, and it just, it just kind of blows my mind. You see so many high budget, so many shitty high budget movies made. Oh my God. I know. And for something like this, where, you know, like you look at Spike, you look at Spike Lee's filmography, like there's a pretty damn good chance this movie's going to be good. Like, you know, (laughs) and this is, this is a big budget. Like I'm sure they filmed on location. Mm-hmm. The you know special effects were really in there. They had some pretty, pretty big names in here. Mm-hmm. They spent money on this, which yeah. is really interesting because then you look back at his early filmography, and they're relatively independent. They're pretty low budget. Um, it's really kind of Spike Lee doing yeah. a lot of it. Um, yeah. which I know he gets his hands in a lot. He's yeah. really kind of hands on when he's making. But I don't know. Well, I guess with all that being said, uh, let's let's talk about this movie. Let's the go actual into the, plot. Mo- the actual movie itself. We're, remember, just would stick with some non spoilers. This movie yeah. just came out a couple of days ago, um, so non spoilers. Michael, what are your general thoughts about this movie? Man, you know, I, like I've been saying, I, I really loved it. I think it's super timely. Um, it was very long. Um, yeah, Brian, we watched two very long movies this weekend, um, <laughs> and. I, I did have to take a break, a mental break, kind of halfway through. I don't know um, how you do I, which I don't, I guess that's the perk of Netflix, but I still don't know how you do that. It, it I, blows my mind how you just stop. I just got sidetracked and then I did end up finishing it this morning, but <laughs> um, I still felt it. Like as soon as I pressed play, I didn't even have to rewind a couple of seconds. So I really kind of fell right back into it. And that is a good movie. Mm-hmm. I don't press play and be like, oh, what's going on? And then look at my phone, kind of distracted, like not paying attention. Like, and not just because I was watching this for the podcast, like I was right in there the whole time and it is it's tense this is a very tense movie which you know i love um and just just cinematically and just the way this movie looks is amazing it's just it's beautiful um and the actors man this cast is stacked yeah we could talk about those performances we can we can talk about non-spoiler performances the stacked is cast they do a phenomenal job um if you haven't read about it already there's already been buzz for the lead delroy lindo um, who plays Paul, an incredibly complicated character. He he is the lead of this movie. He It's kind of just like a coming out, a showing out party for him. Like I feel mm-hmm. like Spike Lee, who's collaborated with Delroy before, he's just like, you know what, dude? Like you're going on 60 years old. Like you haven't had your due. You're a great actor. I'm just going to write the most complicated character for you and give you like five to seven great moments in this film where it's literally the camera's just on you and you just go balls to the wall out man and it was and he pushes himself yeah. i can see it. it he is so sweaty i <laughs> like by the end of the movie his character specifically is really really sweaty which makes sense i know vietnam's humid like he's hiking through the jungle like i get it but you can see in he's pushing He's digging deep into these character into this character, and it was so great. And his character is not someone who he identifies with at all. He's like, um, he's. We could talk about like maybe the decision making behind this, but do you want to talk? Is that a spoiler if we talk about like about him right now? I don't know. Let's do it. Okay, so early, very incredibly early on in the movie. I don't think it's a spoiler. Incredibly early on in yeah, the movie, yeah, yeah. He so you know he already was a veteran, and incredibly early on, you realize he's a, he's a Trump supporter. Um, you know, he's wearing a MAGA hat and when the four of them meet up in the airport in the v- first five minutes of the movie, you, they're already having a quick discussion about politics and like, Oh, Paul, come on, man. Don't, why are you being like that? Mm-hmm. And then, then and which is, which is just another element to the character that I, that I thought was interesting. Cause you don't really hear about, you know, he's a, he's a veteran, he's black, he's a Trump supporter. And there's just a bunch of different identities that he's grappling with on top of his mental health issues, PTSD. Mm-hmm. It's just, just really interesting. He, he is kind of, like you said, he, he is the, the lead. You know, it, it is very ensemble, but he definitely stands out and he carries most, I would say most of the emotional weight um, yeah. throughout the film. For sure. But he is just quintessential, really what I feel Spike Lee wanted us to know from this movie is this movie opens up with, real news footage and actual yeah. video footage of just how we learned it in you know school the 60s through the late 70s um, and the late 50s just how pardon my friends just how fucked up america and the world was going into and around vietnam 
Um, and at the time, African-Americans were not being treated equally in America on our soil, but we were sending them over to Vietnam to fight a war they may or may not have agreed with, put them on the front lines because they were black and just that, that they just put them out there um, and they suffered from that. And, you know, we know Vietnam vets came back and America did not treat them very well. Um, they had PTSD. They saw the, a horrible, horrible war and they come back. And now imagine all those stories we hear about those soldiers that are told all oh, over and over and over. And he's a black soldier now and he comes back. You know, it's he's the focal point And it's it's what it's the reality that Spike was trying to bring to us. Yeah. 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 And then it's just a story that you don't hear about too often. And it's a story that feels relevant to me. Again, I mentioned Drew Brees in the Just Mercy podcast, but Drew Brees, anything of Drew Brees' comments again and what the flag means to, to particularly white Americans. And you see a lot of black individuals who are saying, well, you know what? My, my dad and my granddad, they fought in war too. Mm-hmm. And they came back being treated like shit, right? So like a flag means something very different to me than it means to you and your family. And this is really the first story that I can think of where it really highlights not only for black veterans, but just the traumatizing effect it's had on them and what they had to go through, not only in Vietnam or in battle, but also like you said, um, when they get home and it was incredibly fascinating. And I thoroughly, I thoroughly and thoroughly enjoyed that that storyline. And uh, you know, think of it now, I I see some dichotomy where the apocalypse now themes in this movie are full fledged. Like I'm pretty sure they're at a bar in Vietnam at one point that's called apocalypse yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Ride of the Valkyries plays yeah. <laughs> it's in there. Um, literally just really classic Vietnam music, this rock music. And we was awesome. transition towards the end and it's all Marvin Gaye music. Mm-hmm. Even at the credits, it says featuring music by Marvin Gaye and still these stories of war, but it's Marvin Gaye and it means more to these these soldiers kind of at the end. So I really kind of like that switch between, all right, this is a Vietnam story. And at some point it just transitions to no, this isn't your traditional Vietnam story. Let's, let's put some black people in this situation and this is their life now. Like let's, Mm -hmm. I want you to see this, not just apocalypse now, which is an amazing movie. Yeah. Um, The other cast is great too. I I was going to say, I was going to (laughs) transition to the rest of the cast. Um, so Delroy Lindo's the lead. He's he is the father to the son that is Jonathan Majors, mm-hmm. um, and I thought he was really good too. He shows up a little later in the movie, and I thought he's I thought he was really good. I really enjoyed that relationship. It's incredibly complicated as well. Uh, I thought he was really good. And then the next standout for me was um, Clark Peters, who plays Otis, who yeah. kind of it, it it is Delroy Lindo's movie. He's the lead in in the acting gravitas, if you will. But I think the actual like leader in the film of the group of friends, I think is Otis and Clark. Mm-hmm. He seemed to be the one who organized the trip. He has the connections in Vietnam to, to help um, transport the golds to back to the States. And he seemed to organize everything. And I thought, he, I thought he was really good and, you know, keeping the group together. He was kind of like, the the empathetic one he was he was a friend to everyone putting his hands on everyone's shoulders making sure David's everyone's godfather. doing okay yeah david's godfather thank you and i thought i thought he was i thought he was good and he kind of just warmed my he was the sensitive one and he and spike used him very well because there were moments when that was needed and it was nice to have that grounded character that was there if that makes sense yeah because otherwise they would have all just escalated and spiraled. Yeah. Blair Witch yeah. style, just lost in the fucking jungle. <laughs> it's, yeah, these characters, they want their gold, but money leads to struggle, issues, and challenges while all these individuals all have their own mental health challenges. And it's mm-hmm. just like this thing after one another, layers and so um, complex. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was interesting. And even better is you feel sympathy and or empathy for all of them. Yeah. You no, they're they're broken people and they have this complex issue that they're dealing with um but no one's wrong i mean they're a lot of them are dealing with their trauma and their past in unhealthy ways but as an audience member i don't blame them i understand and i'm just like damn this sucks yeah 
Yeah. Um, For a while it sucks. And then I feel like I, I, I'm like, all right, this is great. This is good. <laughs> I mean, like the emotional. Once, because the setup happens and the setup introduces the characters and their challenges and their struggles. Yeah. And then really once, once they're in Vietnam and they're, and they're on their treasure hunt, essentially, that's when really the action gets going. That's when it really starts to pick up and it's like, all right, now we're moving. And you're right. That's when that's kind of moved aside and it becomes more of an action adventure movie mm. thrown in with Delroy Lindo's just behaviors. <laughs> and it's just, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah, um, mental collapse. It, this movie, so this movie, so that's all, that's all. We just talked about present day, I feel like. This movie also goes in flashbacks to when they are in Vietnam mm-hmm. and they're battling in Vietnam. What did you make? of maybe some of those action sequences and some of and and what went on there and also the, like the camera ratio what did you just think of all that I love that. In general? I love that again you know Spike Lee brought in these traditional Vietnam War f- film tropes and we see f- film footage from Vietnam War and it's in that old school aspect ratio so for him to really throw us back and it, it, we talked about this um yesterday but the older actors also play their younger counterparts in those flashbacks so that's a style choice that they do but bringing the aspect ratio from the full full widescreen to that vietnam I, I should have looked up what the actual ratio is but i don't i'm not good with numbers um that really it makes it some authenticity to it where you could be watching those those battles from that past aspect ratio and it just feels like war footage yeah. Um, you, I don't forget I'm watching a movie, but while he's interspersing actual news footage and photos and just all this, this actual real world stuff that he threw into his movies as little interludes, the same thing I think goes for that, that kind of transition back and forth. Um, and it's, it's hard to, for me to see, I mean, to make that work, to have those transitions from present day to past day work without like a, a crossfade or something. Um, yeah. 13 Reasons Why season two or whatever did it where they had like a little tiny black strip on the screen for the past yeah. and then it disappeared when it was present day. And that was hard to kind of catch up with. But yeah, I think Spike, know, Spike Lee does it good. I think Spike Lee is a, a little more artistic and intelligent than, than what's going on in 13 Reasons Why. why. Oh, Dylan <laughs> Minnette from Wallows. Um, yeah, we do love, we do, we do love Dylan Minnette. Um, but no, uh, yeah, so like you mentioned, they use the same actors in present day to depict those, to depict the flashback scene, which is a choice, an artistic choice, and I think it works. And it can be confusing if you're really not paying attention mm-hmm. that it's a flashback all of a sudden because they are using the same actors, but you do see the, the aspect ratio change and it, the picture comes a little more grainy and the, tone, the hues are a little different and I, I, I enjoyed it. So in those flashbacks, the, uh, in real life, they're trying to get the remains of their captain. Storm and Norman. Storm and Norman, played by Chadwick Boseman. What'd you think of Chadwick? It was kind of, I, I thought it was cool seeing him there. What an angel. He's <laughs> angelic in that. Yeah. Just, and yeah. I've, good. I've never seen, I don't know if I've ever seen an actor who plays just like the most ideal person. In <laughs> right? Like Black Panther. He's also, he's portrayed Jackie, uh, Jackie Robinson. I think he's also done James Taylor. Like he's just like he's uh he's all over the place, and it's and he's fantastic. He's fantastic in everything that he does. And he's the he's the moral compass in the he's, movie as well. He has also played James Taylor, James Brown. Excuse me, he's played James Brown. Um, it would be weird to be played James Taylor. Um, and also he's he's done Thurgood Marshall. Like he's just like always the best yeah. of us. God. Um, and in this movie, he's the captain which doesn't necessarily make him the best of the people, but he has some really great speeches in here that motivates the crew. Mm-hmm. He, he is described as being the, uh, their Malcolm and their, and their Martin. And he's just, and he, they're, they're, he's just like this symbol of like hope and leadership. And, and I think that's what drives them to want to go back to find him because like he was just somebody that they all knew they can lean on. And he was mm-hmm. just like this perfect person in their eyes. And, um, and he played that real well. Yeah. 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 Cause he's just used to it, man. He's always, he's always playing that, that perfect person, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's so, and he's so good at it. Um, so it was cool. It was cool seeing him 
cool seeing him in that role. Chadwick. Yeah. Let's also talk about the Vietnamese actors and actresses in this movie. Um, they are the locals. They are, we travel to their country where this war and this strife has torn apart their homeland um, very much in the same way it tore apart the minds and souls of our soldiers. Um, and they did great. I think they were equally as complex. Um, and I, I just, I think that's great. He, he picked some really great actors for those parts. And obviously if he's, if he's filming in Vietnam, he paid and hired Vietnamese actors from the, from the area for extras and stuff. And that's just, I always love seeing that it's, it brings the, the realness. It's less Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it obviously wasn't the focal point of the story, but they, they do have their moments that you, what you realize the, the impact that the, that the Vietnam war or what they call the American war had right. had on their, on their country and, and, and for, for generations. And I thought that was a, I thought that was an interesting touch and the pain that they still have to this day and how mm-hmm. it's affected and how it's still affecting literally their land. Right. Yeah. And literally their land. And, um, yeah, it, it kind of makes you just—it makes you feel for those country and, and those people and the disdain that they have for Americans. And I feel like, can you blame them? I don't know. You know, I, right? like I like, said, I don't blame anyone know. in this movie. Yeah, yeah. War is about money, and money is about war. Yeah, Norman Norman said that. Yeah, and and that's and everyone. And then this that money, <laughs> that literal gold is what causes so much conflict in this movie and creates its own little mini war, if you will. Yeah. So, Which let's jump into it. I think I'm ready to talk about our, our mini war in this movie. Okay. I mean, we so we got to talk about it. If you haven't seen defy bloods, check it out and then come revisit it. Cause we're going to got, we're going to talk about spoilers and just all the questions that we, that we have for one another and all the things. So if you check it out, defy bloods on Netflix, it's free streaming. Check it out. Spike Lee. Well, Spike Lee, Spike Lee joint. Boom. Michael, <laughs> Michael, what? let's dive into it. What are your thoughts? Holy shit, man. Um, we're going to go with just, we're going to start on the most shocking moment is our, your boy, Eddie, um, yeah. the character Eddie, not two scenes after he tells all of his friends that he is in so much debt and he's overdrawn every card for this trip. He's so vulnerable. He's so So emotional. He's sad and everyone's feeling for him. And, and then boom steps on a freaking landmine blows. It happens. Three quarters of his body out. It happens in a blink of an eye. (laughs) I'm terrible. It was crazy, dude. Everyone needs to know. Brian does not do gore. I I'm the horror hound. Brian really can't do it. Um, I as soon as he finished the movie before me, I saw that part happen, and I just my heart broke for Brian that he probably didn't even know that was coming. So, what's going through your mind? You that dude blew up. So right, so I guess before they go into the jungle, they're partying the night before in a bar, and they meet a couple of um, I'm sorry, like nonprofit activists who mm-hmm. who whose organization um is they go across the land in Vietnam to disarm landmines. Uh, their organization is called LAM, uh, LAM like Love Against mines Love Against Mines and Bombs. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm like, I want. I, I haven't googled it yet, but is that a real thing? I thought that was kind of funny. Anywho, I'm like, oh, this has to be foreshadowing something. This has to mean something. I did not think it was going to lead to something like that. Holy hell! When that when he he was backing up, I think he had money in his hand, in his gold yeah. in his hand. He's backing up, and then. Poof. Poof. And then it and then it pans to the, the rest of the group. Not knowing what the hell just happened. They're in horror shock. And then you hear screaming, not from any one of them, but you hear screaming in the pan and the camera slowly pans. And then the and then the dust clears. And like Michael said, you see the remaining fourth of his body. <laughs> All four of his limbs are gone. His everything below his chest is gone. He's leaking just everything. Leaking, and he is still screaming. He's in agony, and Otis... That guy was alive for probably a whole minute after he blew up. And the camera didn't leave him for that. Otis, who I already said earlier, is like this this sensitive, empathetic lead of this that drives this a little bit. He goes over there to comfort him, and 
tell, telling him this, you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Just, you know, calm and down. And he's the medic and, too, remember? So Otis. Yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, nothing. You at that do. point. And, and, give me yeah. some gauze. <laughs> yeah. And at that point he, you know, he dies. And, and I think, at, and then that's when it, they realize the, the four of the, the remaining four, because the son's there. They're like, what did we get ourselves into? You can see the terror on all of their faces and they realize the danger and they're in. And then no more, they haven't had the opportunity to grieve for, for, for him when Jonathan Majors, which, which was the son, what was the son again? David. David, he steps on one. Except mm-hmm. that one didn't go off. Um, it was, uh, yeah. Because he was, kept his foot pushed down. He kept his foot pushed. Like, yeah, uh, Indiana Jones. Kept his foot pushed down on it. And he's like, Dad, I think I stepped on one. And then you're just like, oh, my God, 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 oh, my God. And conveniently, Lamb. Richard Jewell is in the fucking woods. He's a, he's great in everything. He's a, I he's love so him. Because um, he was in Black Klansman as well. He was in Black Klansman. Um, he, I, I called him Richard Jewell. His name is Paul Walter Hauser. Paul Walter Hauser. I, Tanya, Black Klansman. Yeah, he's yeah he's he's just hilarious, and he's the comic relief whenever he's in this movie. So he yeah. and two others, uh, Melanie Thierry, and which I probably mispronounced that. I think it's a French name, and and Jasper Pakinen, Pakinen, who was also in Black Klansman. He played one of the clan. Uh, yes, uh, he did. That Ku Klux is true. Klansman wow. and, and and White Clans and Black Klansman. Excuse me. Anywho, the three of them just convenient. They heard the blast. They came over there. And they're and then they're asking him, "Hey, how do we get him off?" And they're like, "You kind of don't." <laughs> and, yeah. Um, but they end up having this. Re- the father, and then this is when this is a showing out for for Delroy. He goes to his son, hypes him up. It's like, right. Hey, where did you go to college? The house. The, the house. house. More who, house. Who did who did those hurdles? They met athlete who did those hurdles. That's right. That's what we're gonna do. And they, they 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 maneuvered this. They had this this maneuver with the rope and and ended up being oh, a, how I don't know. Yeah, they they all they the five the eight of them the seven of them six of them whatever had them all had the rope. David had it around his body, and then on the count of three, yanked one, him. two, three, they yanked. He leaped, and by the skin of his shoes, he got out of it. But that was so tense. Yeah, so heartbreaking. The, the father, the son, their relationship. Also, you know, incorporating that college, that pride. You know, yeah. Um, that, and they and, became soldiers. He immediately he wasn't thinking son. I mean, yeah. I'm sure he was, of course, but he was thinking soldier. He was like, all right, we just don't get freaking yeah. emotional, David. Let's get you off this mine. Yeah, I, I will say now those those the minefield. Great, love that scene. Super tense, set up everything. It is hella convenient that lamb was in that part of the vietnam forest the vast forest yeah the va- how big is vietnam <laughs> like they were right there they maybe, probably saw maybe they know. know only certain parts of the forest have landmines and yeah. you know they were they said they were walking back from another you're right it is i'm, I'm, I'm trying to be devil's advocate but you're right it is incredibly it is incredibly convenient i'm glad it happened because i mean yeah. we got a lot more carnage <laughs> yeah so they're able to maneuver that 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 kind of sets a trigger for delroy's character right that's mm-hmm. kind of a turning point for him up in that that point he had a couple i don't want to say breakdowns that sounds so insensitive but he had a couple moments where he kind of panic attacks his, he was having pan, thank you panic attacks it's so much better so he had a couple panic attacks leading up to that but for the most part you're thinking all right he's 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 gonna be okay those two landmine situations happen and I think that's incredibly triggering for him and he's never quite I guess what relaxed mm-hmm. ever again in the movie he yeah. immediately um, uh, turns on Lamb uh, the, the three white characters they, he doesn't trust them at all ties them up whenever he has a chance he's he's basically has the every man for himself mentality and and throw in there, David and Hetty were flirting at the bar the night before, so they and knew he each doesn't. Other. He doesn't. He doesn't like that. Cockblocks um, him real hard. Cockblocks the latrine very hard, and and yeah. So then, so then they're able to from there get out of the jungle, where they they are then met by a couple of local Vietnamese people who fueled, bankrolled by De Roche. 
Yes, yeah. De Frank Roche. De Roche, who's like what this prominent French mobster, French let's just say that. banking mobster or whatever. They met him earlier in the movie to help set up the transaction of getting the gold to America, the states. Yeah. And he and he turns on them, hires this local group to get the gold. So they end up finding them in the in the road. And that turns into a pretty cool action sequence, huh? God, yeah. Yeah. Just so tense. Yeah. And then another landmine goes off. Jasper, who I mentioned earlier, Boom. his character is blown to pieces uh, as he tries to escape. <laughs> he starts running off. Thinking, oh thinking Twice now he's run off. Thinking he's free and he blows up. And then, but that was that explosion that caused a distraction enough for all for the rest of the guys to beat up the Vietnamese yeah. crew, which you realize they still got it. These Man, old, yeah, these they guys can hold like, their own. These guys are in their 60s, mid-60s, and Delroy just takes a flipping knife and <laughs> stabs one of those guys super quick. These tricep jabs, just like... You're right, yeah. In this guy's chest, and then picks up an AK, you know, going ram... They all go just like Rambo, just shooting these guys. And you're just like, oh my God, these guys are moving really good. They still got a little bit of that mentality in them. They can still wield a weapon. Um, the the second biggest shock for Carnage's sake would go to uh, Sectef Maddox. Um, so <laughs> Melvin, played so by Isaiah so, Whitlock. Jr. So we're we're jumping to we're jumping to the climax. I'm assuming. Oh, we'll, want to call that the climax then? I mean, I just wanted to say. I mean, he just jumped. I mean, he just it wasn't. So it wasn't. It wasn't that much Carnage. It wasn't. It wasn't that bloody. No, but it was, was shocking. It? Oh yeah, yeah. When he yeah. jumped on them. So they the referenced grenade. that earlier. So so yeah, he jumped, He sacrifices his life and jumps on a grenade. Uh, human he he becomes a human shield to save Otis right yes which and is so so beautiful yeah they mentioned there was a there was a reference to that earlier in the movie I think when they first meet up and they were they were like oh Storm and Norm he was the kind of guy who would jump on a grenade for you and then I think someone one of those guys they were like oh man I would never do that I, I would I would that. yeah and then I, I kind of like that it goes full circle and then he ended up he ended up doing it he's he's got some really good foreshadowing. You know, he, he brings it all in really from the get-go of just what we're going to walk into. I didn't but we don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah, I didn't think twice about that line in the beginning of the movie. Oh, I wouldn't jump on one. I, ju- I wouldn't jump on one. Because I'm sitting there agreeing now. like, yeah. damn, no, run away from the grenade. Yeah. And <laughs> jump towards it. This guy, that, what's, but that's what's what this? makes a hero, right? Yeah, he throws a grenade. Who throws a grenade? What's that guy's name again? That French guy? The, De Roche. De Roche. She throws that grenade and he jumps on it and then... And then, you know, the Roche is like, okay, whatever, walks up with his with his handgun and then points it at Otis. And Otis is lying on the ground, kind of handicapped because he's been shot a couple times and then was still alive. And then all of a sudden, DeRoche, headshot from Jonathan Majors um, in back eye. in the distance. Yeah. And then even earlier, he said, I'm not going to be good with this gun. I'm not much of a shot. I've never held a gun before. And then all of a sudden, Right. Yeah. Mm. yeah 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 i i, I kind of enjoyed that you know yeah uh, and i would have been, been pissed if they all died i would that i would have been really upset if um if all four of those guys died yeah i mean there was one left standing and then oh, yeah the four oh, new is. recruits really from the five yeah, bloods you're right and then which is awesome that shot of oh man it, it brings back um paul's kind of demise where his line is um oh no otis says this this is otis he says um you don't kill bloods oh bloods don't die we multiply yeah like yeah that. so Blood. even though the original five there's only one of them left at the end we've got these four new soldiers from a different yeah. era right yeah Coming yeah to bring that's back a good this, like we got out of this that's a good point you have the vietnamese tour guide who was just a really good you, you I wasn't sure about him, but you, he reve- he reveals to be a good, like a really good, authentic guy. Mm-hmm. And you got Jonathan Majors, the two, the two Lamb individuals, right? Um, Hetty and Richard Jewell. Yeah, <laughs> Richard Jewell. It's weird to see Richard in this movie, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that's that's a good point. Anything about that? Let's talk about. We even talk about Paul's demise and what kind of happened with him because he wasn't at the scene where the majority of the action takes place. He splits after that, sh- that, that throw down in the, in the, in the road after he, again, that flipping tricep jab, <laughs> he's like, 
F you guys, I'm taking mine, I'm going, we're hiking this way. And then they're like, that's 20 miles in the nearest town. No, we get on the road, we go over here, we, we, mm-hmm. we figure it out, no, 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 I'm going this way. And again, I talked about earlier, he has those five or seven, like really those Oscar moments. There's yeah. a moment when he's, you know, swiping trees and branches with his machete out of the jungle when the camera's on his face and he is just, he's speaking to us. Mm-hmm. And that was really powerful. And again, he's it looking was, directly at the camera. Yeah. Spike Lee's very slowly, almost like too hard to notice. Like he's getting closer. Like he's mm-hmm. not keeping the camera a different, dis- the same distance away from the actor. Like he's getting closer and closer and his speech becomes more powerful and it sh- shakes. Yeah. And he will, he, he was saying some wild stuff. I mean, he was also, yes. he got bitten by a snake, right? He was probably having a heat stroke. He was hallucinating, all this kind of stuff he's going through. He's saying really some crazy, like, man on a mission type stuff. And I'm still like, oh, yes. You I can't stop pain. watching. You can't stop watching. <sighs> and then and then it leads. And then, and then it cuts to him digging. literally <laughs> digging his own grave. <laughs> literally digging his own grave. I thought I missed something. I was like, did I just have like a mini seizure and just black out for a minute? Well, no, because what happened is, was he either it, either it was hallucinating, slash because of that snake bite you mentioned, mm-hmm. slash he had this crystallizing, sobering moment with Storm and Norm in his mind, and yeah. w- it revealed Storm and Norm's de- cause of death. Mm-hmm. Remember that it was yes, because no, because it cut from Storm and Norman hugging him right to digging to digging. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's in the woods. Camera's on him. He's kind of going crazy. Bit by a snake. Hit by the trap. He's, he, he gets that booby trap a little bit. And then he, he, he clears himself off of that. And then it kind of has that other flashback. And. Man. No. Storm, gosh. I, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He, Storm and Norm comes up. It's not even a, a flashback. beautiful, angelic looking yes. single take where Spike could have so easily done a just shot for shot of all right here's delroy here's chadwick delroy chadwick instead he is rotating this camera around these actors with this really beautiful vietnam background and chadwick's just in light just telling him like it's all right just a calming voice it's one shot we don't cut back to what delroy's looking like when we're looking at chadwick because why not look at storm and norman who's standing here in present day and you're like the only time we see him in present day yeah, and you're like, what's going on? And then Storm and Norm uh, unbuttons his vest and it re- reveals what appears to be... Chadwick Boseman's abs. Yeah, his abs <laughs> with a wound. Mm. And that's when the flashback happens. And it's revealed that um, Storm and Norm died by friendly fire via, via Paul, Delroy Lindo's character. and An accident. Yeah, it was a, incredibly... I know it was a terrible accident. And, and, I, and that's when you realize... Yes, he has PTSD, but it's so much more than that. He feels 100% responsible for the death of his best friend. Which it really sheds light in the, the floating market scene. Mm-hmm. I think that's when it is when he's going, I see ghosts, man. I yeah. see ghosts. And the rest of them are like, we see him every day. And he's adamant. He's like, not the way that I do. Like, yeah. there, The whole time there was this additional weight on Paul that the rest of them kind of didn't have. And, and we, they explain it as they were best friends, right? They were the closest of the two, which whether or not that's true, right? They could have been the closest or that could have just been the other perception. The yeah. actual weight that he's holding is, is his own guilt. Yeah. And now I kind of, I makes me want to go back and watch it and really kind of look at Delroy's character specifically as what he sees as a murderer that he's yeah. coming back to confess. Yeah. So, they ha- and then, yeah, so they have that moment. They embrace Storm and Norman and Paul embrace. And like you said, Storm and Norm's like, it's okay. I forgive you. It was an accident. It's fine. Let go. Hmm. And then, and then after that, I think he feels a sense of relief. Hmm. And then it transitions back to real life. And while he was having that hallucination or that crystallizing moment, he is again, like we said earlier, literally digging his grave as four Vietnamese um, gunmen. individuals, gunmen, call them gunmen, are aiming their assault rifles at them as he's digging, and 
there's a nice exchange between him. You, you realize it allows him the opportunity to speak because you realize as an audience, Oh, he's back. Like he, mm. he's, he seems okay. Now he seems sane. He seems like he's presence. And, and then he sings again. Spike Lee's like, let's throw in, let's throw, let's throw in Delroy singing a little bit. You know, let's give him yeah. that as well. Again, just another just showing Which, our party. Brian, me. that was a question I wrote for you. Um, if you were forced to dig your own grave, by four men with guns. What song would you sing? <laughs> um, That's a real fir- question. I don't know. The first song that came to my mind, because I think this is one of the first songs I actually remember, it's like A Hard Day's Night. The Beatles. Beatles yeah. The Beatles, yeah. <laughs> it's been a hard day's night. Yeah. <laughs> That's the. F- I don't know if I feel all right. <laughs> I think that's the that's the first one that came to my head. I don't know if it's what I would actually do, but that's the first one that came to my head. How about okay. how about you? Oh, mine's closer by the Chainsmokers. <laughs> so baby, hold me closer in the backseat of your Rover. <laughs> so neither of us would be as emotional or of a pull than what he did. No, let's be honest. I would be sobbing. <laughs> I'd be like, please don't dig. Please don't make me dig. Yeah. Yeah, so he begins to sing. Yeah, and then they just mow him down. Yeah. And that was sad. Yeah, that was real sad. Um, Yeah, so then going back to the other scene where the fight sequence happens, and then the movie ends with what they do with their respective money, and Otis gives David a letter from his dad, Mm -hmm. um, which which the envelope says give it, you know, give to David if I die or something along those lines. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it ends up being a little bit of a father's son story, a treasure hunts, war movie, action adventure, racial tensions. And with little to mental no health at the end as well. Yeah. Everything gets wrapped up real neatly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All in a two and a half hour epic, you know, it is an uh, epic. Mm-hmm. And the credits, I, you don't see this very much anymore, but the credits, they're not animated. They're showing footage from before in the movie of these characters with their actor's name next to it. Yeah. So like Jonathan Majors gets the Spike Lee kind of looking down on his Morehouse hat and he's just like looks up and smiles. And I thought that that was just a really kind of nice signature. Um, it, it really kind of brings in even the score. Yes, it's it's this, this tense kind of really story. And we we have the the seventies rock music that comes in, but just the score and the composed music is, is very almost like, I don't want to say Jurassic park, but it's up there with when you're looking through these Vietnamese forests and it's a beautiful site, they've got some very emotional, like epic, very vast widescreen theatrical movie score to it. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. Um, And even on the credits, it kind of rolls through like, Hey, this wasn't, the funnest story, but you know, you dug with these characters. Here's the, them at the end smiling. I thought, I thought that was another good, cute little touch. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you make of, I, I have in my notes, the, the MAGA hat. So Delroy wears it in the jungle. When he dies, it falls off. Then, the Vietnam and one of the Vietnamese gunmen, he puts it on. And then I, I don't know why this was so shocking to me, but when they show up again with DeRoach at the ruins, I guess is what they are, where everyone else is hiding. DeRoach is wearing is wearing that same hat. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh I was like, what? Because I think for me that's when I realized, like, you know, because I was so stupid, I'm just so stupid. Like DeRoach is like a bad guy and he's behind us all, whatever. Yeah. And he's wearing the MAGA hat, the same hat. I, I wish, I don't know, I don't think any of the, the Bloods like realized that was Paul's hat. Um, no, a part of me to have. And I, I, wish, I wish it was shown on screen then that like they were just like, oh, Otis what, getting that's, it or something. That's, that's Paul's hat. What the hell? What'd you do to him? It um, was a little overshadowed by DeRoche saying, tell us where Norman is. And Otis yeah. is like, or where's Norman share? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, there, and Otis is just like, Norman ain't giving anybody anything <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, I, 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 just, I guess that, that hat kind of goes on its, has a little bit of a journey itself. It's a symbol. And, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. A, it's its own character for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the overarching theme is that America in the time period of the Vietnam War, you know, was not treating black people right. They were not being treated equally or fairly. Um, 
you can say that they still aren't. So um, that MAGA hat represents something else even more now. But for me, for Paul to have that, that is him truly like kind of falling into the selfish ideals, the selfish ideals of like, America did this to me. I messed up because they sent me over there. I'm back for this gold to for what's mine yeah, and I'm just yeah. going to be selfish. So I yeah. think the MAGA, like he, his speech is, you know, I want what's mine. So I think he's, he might be an economic MAGA, MAGA sure. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then that it's a, it's very jarring. Um, of course. Yeah. You know, to, to see that hat just in a movie used as a prop. I know the first time it, it works. And I, I liked how it goes on to different characters and it kind of is like the transition of selfishness of evil, I guess. I don't know. I never say Paul's character was evil, but like he, he had, it wasn't until his last moments when he realized he had this cl- sense of clarity, I guess, if you will. Yeah. And, and we also see America as, as I don't want to use the word evil, but really the enemy and the root of all yeah. of the strife in the entire movie. So for that to get passed from bad guy to bad guy to bad guy, we're going to say Paul is not a bad guy in the end, but he was, he was wearing it. He was going crazy with his PTSD and his panic attacks. And then the Vietnamese uh, captain gets it. DeRoche gets it. And it's all these bad guys just, really what seems like getting progressively darker and yeah. America still coming back. Like yeah. the hat didn't get left anywhere. It was yeah. all the way to the end and it ends up on Otis's chest. Yeah, true. Which was, you know, very, that's a little symbolic as well. <laughs> it's deep spite. And he knew what he was doing. Spike Lee is not just like, Oh fuck it. Let's put a red, a red cap oh, yeah. on this character. Like in every shot, he, he knows what it's there for yeah, and, and in case we're we're not familiar, then the movie ends with an MLK clip, you know, um, a speech given in New York, literally one year before his assassination. Here um, in good old Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, and uh, being assassinated not too far from where we live. Um, so yeah, in a way that only Spike Spike can do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a movie I'm going to think about a lot. I've already have thought about a lot. I can't say I'm going to like, I'm eager to rewatch it again just because, you know, me, like, just the person that I am and my own movie tastes and how heavy it was. And I think I'll throw it in my wheelhouse for, oh, do you like war movies? You know, you might like this. Like, just yeah. like, oh, have you never seen Defy Bloods? I enjoyed it the first time here. I kind of want to share this with you. I yeah. think I'll throw that, but not like, if I'm sitting home alone, I don't know if I want <laughs> okay. to see... Uh, Eddie getting blown to smithereens again. <laughs> you bored? Want to watch Five Bloods? Yeah, cool. Let's put it on. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like I think, like I think Black Klansman's more rewatchable. I'm not saying it's a better movie, but I think it's more rewatchable yeah. than The Five Bloods, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, like I said before, you know, the ending kind of really shows so much, and also another man, Eddie. Just more no loose endings, right? Eddie was the one kind of fighting for Norman's idea of giving the gold back to the people. Like yeah. this needs to go back to our people. And where does Eddie donate his shares or where do the people, where does his friends donate Eddie's shares? The black lives matter, black lives matter. Yeah. In New York. Like that was, woof. that hit me real hard that like, he still got what he wanted. Like everyone was able to, people are benefiting from this tragedy that, you know, yeah. we just witnessed for two and a half hours on the backs of so many other tragic events since the sixties, you know, to all of the characters here that yeah they end up it's a treasure hunt right someone's got to get rich at the end yeah um so we've talked about all that we haven't talked anything about like pizza related stuff i don't even know if we need to let's skip that today okay (laughs) i mean nah you don't eat pizza in vietnam you eat i was gonna say i don't i I have nowhere where i would put that i have nowhere where i would put that i guess we can talk about who we would not have pizza with like no wait i found one in the floating market scene the lady with the snake she just starts chopping it up and puts it like pepperoni on a pizza okay cool done boom done check check that off and then how about who would you want to have a slice with i gotta think longer for that one um i think i think for me it would be um jonathan majors David, um, I want to learn perspective relationship with his father, why it was so strained yet. You could still see his love for his father. Like he was, he all really wanted to be there for him. And he went to college. He became a referencing. He's a black studies teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for students, what made him go that route, especially considering that his, his dad does not have an interest in that at all. 
Um, and yeah, I'm just interested about his story and who he is and all the things. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I, I think maybe Chadwick Boseman, I'd probably pick. He's, he could drop some knowledge bombs, his character. But then my other option is um, Otis's birth daughter, her biological daughter. Yeah. Her, yeah, I think yeah, her yeah. name is Mishin. Um, she, you know, we get a little glimpse into what her life is as a, as a mixed race child in Vietnam. And it sounds absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So I, th- I think I'm, and she just seems so happy at the end. They're saying, I love you. And oh, man, and they get the Spike Lee shot. Is that who that was? I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember who got the dollar shot. Yeah, it was the two okay. of them. It was Otis and uh, and his and his daughter, really grinning, like a nice they, family like, portrait yeah. as they're going okay. through the hallway. Okay, um, okay, okay. You know, I we did mention this yesterday when we kind of talked off of recording. Um, I knew there was going to be that dolly shot. I I really worship Spike Lee for having that in all of his movies. I just love it. It looks so freaking awesome. Um, not the strongest one I saw from him. Um, I really, really like the dolly shot in Black Klansman. Uh, yeah. The two of them pulling their guns out and kind of shooting down the hallway. This one, I, I kind of wish maybe, I don't know. I, I'm not saying I know better than Spike Lee, but what is it? Paul what could is have it? had a really good dolly shot through yeah, the woods. What, is it, what does it mean? Do, do you feel like there's a common theme of the dolly shot from Spike Lee or Spike Lee? Or is it just literally, this looks cool in this sequence? Because in, think, in Inside Man, it was, on, it was on Denzel after he learned some um some new information about the heist that kind of like jarred him a little bit and he steps mm. out of the rv of his like police rv where they have their their hq and he just comes out of it and then he's just like kind of shocked days as he's on the dolly and everything so to me that kind of makes sense it could mean know. so much it could yeah. it could mean so much i mean black Klansmen. it felt like them standing up standing their ground Right, they are in the hallway, standing their ground, guns ready. They're not moving, and they're they're both being stoic in their feet, but they are moving towards their enemies as they're shooting. So yeah. it's like it's it's a really good kind of visual there. Um, this one feels just like their happy ending, or like moving forward in their life together. Right, oh. it's it's him getting his birth daughter, moving forward. Um, it, it's so versatile. I, I don't think it means something every time, but it okay. is a it is a moment for the audience to kind of stop and stop the motion and just focus on who these characters are in that moment. And what, what is that very split second in their life? What does this split second look into their life look like? Yeah. And let's drag it. Yeah, I agree. It's cute. Cool. That makes sense. Okay. I'm, um, I mean, I don't know if that's true, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll sign my name off on it. I'm, I'm, and I'm not going to disagree with you. So I, 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 I get that. Um, cool. So do you want to rate it out then? Yes, yes, Brian. Um, out of eight slices, how many slices would you um, give this movie? I think I would give this like a, a seven out of eight. I nice. think a, I think a seven out of eight. Um, it's not my cup of tea, yeah. Which is why it's not an eight out of eight. I even thought about even getting it lower, but it's so it is so well done, and it is really great, and it is so timely, especially since like you think about this movie when it was probably filmed. And what's going on now mm. and it it just adds to this my appreciation for spike lee and i'm I, I'm not gonna revisit it anytime soon but it's still it's still a seven out of eight yeah and it's great also i forgot to mention this how did i not mention this i've met spike lee what the what i forgot about that yeah why didn't we open the episode with this information no one's gonna make it to the end i know i know i've met spike lee it was tell me the story right now it was super (laughs) hardcore in passing we were on vacation in new orleans i know we were on vacation in new orleans my family and i before it was i think it was the fourth of july um I was 20 because I remember not being able to drink in public, like, you know, out and about and everything. <laughs> and, and it was hot as sin. And we were at a cafe. It was in the morning. And I remember walking out of this cafe and I'm like, dad, is that Spike Lee? And he goes, oh my God, good eye. That is. And I'm like, should I go say hi? Can I say hi? So I went up to him like, "Hey, Spike!" Spike. Total, 
loser. Bullshit. I'm just oh like, oh my god, huge, huge fan. You know, yada yada yada. You just told me you hadn't seen any of his movies. Since Black which, is, which, which is why it's bullshit on my part. You know, I mean, what oh. else? Do, what else do I say to Spike Lee? And he probably, hey, I know who you are. He's like, yeah, I know, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. But I was like, oh, yeah. and then he goes, oh, thank you, thank you. And I'm like, all right, well, cool. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. And, no, then, I, and then I left. No, we no, we just no, we just shook hands and that was it. We just shook hands and that was it. But um, that's awesome. I, and then the only reason why I recognize him because I always see him on Sports Center at Knicks games, right? right? Yeah. So it, it which only adds Huge to his cult, which only adds to his cultural like, iconicness, right? Like I've never seen a movie, but I knew who he was because he's so relevant in so many other facets of entertainment. I'll see um, any picture of Spike Lee anywhere, wearing anything, doing, looking anything. I'm like, yeah. <gasps> Spike Lee. Hey, what's yeah. up? Yeah, he's so, icon. he's so recognizable. So yeah, I actually met Spike Lee kind of interesting shook his hand fun fact well i'll let him know you took a star one slice off of his movie kimberly is looking at me and she's walking by she's like wait a minute you never told me that <laughs> yeah, so, um so yeah so that happened and uh seven out of eight that's what i'm going with that's great yeah i am um, i'm going with seven out of eight too um i really really liked it um i don't think they needed to destroy that range rover but um but I, I, i'll forgive them for that destroy the range rover when DeRoche, when he, his guy was pulling him out and reversing and they shot the AK oh. through the driver's seat and he backed up and the, the rain, the, ro- the Nit rover. Picks. Nitpicks. <laughs> well, oh, okay, whatever. Seven slices. I thought it was freaking amazing. Okay. But you're right. I wouldn't go. I'm not going to go see it again or I'm not going to play it again anytime yeah. soon. But I need- but not going to see it again, but I'm going to be like actively recommending it, right? Like this is yeah. something that people should see. Yes. Even if they're remotely curious. Yeah. So we agreed Um, on that. So cool. So with that being said, should we transition into our last slice? Yeah. (laughs) What was that that pause for? I I didn't think of what my last slice was going to be. Well, it could be anything. Last thought. What have you been up to? Seeing, doing, thinking. I don't know. Whatever. Last slice. It could be literally anything. And I don't want to talk about Tenon again, but it got pushed back. Yeah, that was a bummer. That kind of sucks. So I'm just not going to talk about that. Um, Oh, I'm going back to school in the fall. There There we go. go. That'll be my last slice. Haven't really made that announcement yet. I'm uh, I'm going to be a doctor. Clinton. Super pumped going back to school. Um, Haven't had homework in two years. So here we go. That's going to be fun. I look forward to encouraging you. Doing your homework. I look doing forward homework, to yeah. me drinking a beer right next to you while you are typing away on papers. Hey, don't worry. We'll, uh, we'll still, I'll still fit in some podcast time with you, Brian. Yeah, you damn right you will. You better. It's still important to me. Um, for me, my last slice is I'm going to go sports. I'm going to go baseball related. Um, mm. The negotiations between the MLB owners and the baseball players – are still going back and forth. And as a baseball fan, it's incredibly infuriating. There was an opportunity for them to play by opening July 4th, which I think would have been really great and iconic. Mm-hmm. And that's out the window now. There would have been an opportunity to play 100 games. That's out the window. Opportunity to play 80 games. That's out the window. Now it's looking like it's going to be closer to maybe 50 games, which is just absolute garbage. Yeah. Considering you look at last year's World Series winner, and the Nationals, they were below 500 after the first 50 games, and then ended up going on to win the World Series. So, the first 50 games of the seasons don't is, mean anything. No, so you know, players want their money, and I think you know they deserve their pro 100. I think 100% prorated. If you're asking me, and the, but the owners aren't willing to give them, and um, so now it's up to the MLB commissioner. We're waiting to hear about what he says. He's kind of the he'll make the rules, but. It's it's frustrating. It's a sad, it's just sad to be a baseball fan. They had an opportunity to be the only sports on major mm-hmm. sports on, and they dropped the, dropped the ball because of greed. And that's just that's just frustrating to see. And you see basketball trying so hard. You see the NFL pushing through. They're gonna. That looks like they're gonna be doing things in the fall. And baseball. Can't Even the movie theaters are doing everything they yeah. can. And baseball's just not adapting. Uh, it's 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 still an old man's game and as much as they want to appeal to younger generations they're having a hard time competing with basketball and football and it's just 
it's frustrating. You know who the best player in the NFL is. You know who the best player in the NBA is. You, if you ask the average person, they probably can't tell you who the best player of baseball is. And we're literally seeing one of the best baseball players in the history of MLB playing right now, Mike Trout. And I think your average person wouldn't know who he is because baseball just, just does not know how to market its game and to brand itself. So it's frustrating. The teams might. Locally, I think teams can do oh, it. Oh, sure. Yeah. LA. But yeah, nationwide. Yeah. No, but you know, nationwide, you know, you know, you know, you know about LeBron. You knew about Kobe. Stars. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, but Mike Trout is Mike Trout is the LeBron James of the MLB right now. He's a once in a lifetime generational. Uh, he's a once generation kind of talent, and just no one, just no one knows about it. Oh well, Bryce Harper. Everyone loved him. Everyone, yeah, he's the whole he's, world was obsessed with Bryce Harper for a while. He was he was loud. He was young. He hasn't panned out the way to be Mike Trout is. Mike Trout is again. He's just. Hey, we're we're getting really tangent you can hear i think you can hear Maybe my frustration you, a baseball podcast, you, can, you can hear my frustration and my passion behind mm-hmm. it it's just irritating so that's my last slice hopefully we hear some good news sooner rather than later but it's it's frustrating nevertheless that's my last slice that's awesome brian thank you yeah and thank you to all of our listeners today for you know joining us for our conversation about five bloods new spike lee joint um super highly recommend it um you know read follow us on twitter it's at our slice on film. We've got an Instagram that needs some work. Um, our email address is sliceonfilm at gmail.com. Give us some suggestions or text us because if you're listening, you have our cell phone numbers. Chances are. Yeah. Chances are. Um, so yeah, thank you all very much. That's been our slice on film. You have a great rest of your day. <laughs>